Thank you for waiting, ladies and gentlemen. We were invited to first class. Now we're inviting executive platinum, platinum, emerald, sapphire, and ruby. If those words are written on your boarding card, please come forward. Hey, hey, this is Rika, your host of Catch Flights, Not Feelings. Ladies and Welcome back to Catch Flights, Not Feelings with your host, Rika. Today, we are talking about the city of love, Paris, France. So, Paris was the last stop on my European summer and my study abroad. So, by this time... (laughs) I was pretty tired. I was drawn out. There, it was just, it had been a lot of go, go, go. So getting to Paris, uh, we took a, pl- a flight from Italy to Paris. And, you know, by that time, I was just really tired. I think we started exploring we got lost in that city the first day which led us to very very uh far away providence or whatnot whatever they call it and it was really drowning and so i was not the happiest of a camper at this point in time because of that little mix-up and you know, I was just really tired, and I believe when we got there, you know, our hostel was smaller than we uh, had imagined, but, you know, we made it work, and we only spent a couple days in Paris, but we got in as much sightseeing and big landmarks as we could. Today, so that day, one of the days, we explored Paris as much as we could, uh, staying in the inner city and waiting for the lights to come on at the museums and sites that we all love and know. So, starting in the early morning, we had a pretty, you know, we had an exciting day ahead of us. So, um, And I titled my blog post, One Hour of a 12-Hour Day. And so it seems like it was a really long, long, long day for us. Um, But, of course, immediately we went straight to the Louvre. And we started to take pictures while we waited outside. And then we finally realized we should probably jump in line, seeing as how we didn't know how fast it would get, how fast it would be to get inside. The Louvre is shaped in a almost square. It's like a U-shape, so it's got an open end. And the line was pretty much wrapped around the building in a way because of how long it was. Um, And, of course, me, I decided to time how long it took us to wait in line and to get our tickets. And it was one hour to be exact. So it wasn't as bad uh, that I, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So looking at it from our point of view, the weather was nice and there was nice scenery to pass the time as we were waiting. And I wasn't by myself. So I was able to talk to my, my friends that I went with on this trip. The magnificent thing about the Louvre is there are three wings to the Louvre and 
you can try and make it through all of them in one day. But like I said, it's a very large, very large uh, structure. So I made it through one of the wings fully with, of course, my guide, Rick Steves. And the other wings, I just quickly rushed through because I wanted to see, of course, the one piece of art that everyone goes to see <laughs> while you're at the Louvre. So, um, and I'll take picture, I'll, I'll post pictures on my Instagram, that is travel with Rika on Instagram. And so we got to do the Louvre and I went after the Da Vinci Code. So of course I was hoping to, you know, stand where Robert Langston stood and see below and wonder if, you know, Mary Magdalene was underneath the Louvre and guarded by those of the Knights Templar and all that. So it was just surreal for me to be able to look and stand in the places where famous artists and famous painters stood and and some of them are their best creations were here there the Louvre is just a, such a magnificent structure it's so large and you know getting to see the inside and be able to experience it was was very breathtaking so a couple of one of my a couple of my favorite ones was the Venus de Milo statue, the Winged Victory, and then of course the pyramid outside of the museum, the glass temp uh, that glass temple. You also I also got to see the one painting that I wanted to see, and was very excited to see. Of course, was the Mona Lisa. So. When I got there, it's placed on this massive wall, this huge wall behind bulletproof, bulletproof glass, and it's this dainty photo in, in a frame. I'd say it's probably like a sheet of paper, so an eight and a half by 11 um, by how so small it is, and it's on this massive wall, and there's you know velvet rope guarding blocking it off so people can't get too close to it and you you, <laughs> you walk up to it and you of course you see the crowd first you don't even see the painting because the painting's so small and the crowd is so large and I was trying to get a photo of me in front of it I tried to make my way to the front and I got there but these two other people these two guys would not move and so I just had to take a picture with the, their heads in it because they were not moving they stood there forever and I just don't have the patience for that so I just tried to get as quickly as a picture as I could and keep it pushing because honestly I was slightly underwhelmed uh, by this photo and that's probably not popular opinion but I I don't know. I think I was expecting something larger than life. And to be honest, I have no idea why. But I think I think a lot of books and pictures and things like that depict it larger than it is. And they don't see and I think the scale of it too. It, it was placed, it's placed on this large, large wall, so it makes it look a lot smaller, 
And so you don't get to see those details as you're as you're looking at it because you're so far away. And so that was kind of a Debbie Downer, but you know, made do with what I could, with what I had. So one of my favorite paintings is in this hall as well. And I think it's the largest canvas in the whole museum. It's the crowning of Napoleon, Michael, and I just, I just loved it. I stood there way longer than I stood at the Mona Lisa because this was such a larger than life painting. And it was so magnificently drawn and painted and depicted in their own way. And I just loved it for what, what it stood for. Then, let's see. Okay, so, you know, after spending a couple hours in the Louvre, I'd honestly say we spent probably three or four hours there, most likely all together. Uh, we got really hungry <laughs> after after visiting this museum, so we settled for the in-house mall in the Louvre, which. Who knew there was a mall in the Louvre? But at this point, we, I think we were sick of foreign, we were just sick of eating all these foreign foods and we went for what we knew best and we had, we headed straight to McDonald's and, you know, we just had to celebrate. It was the 4th of July. Um, so, you know, we just had to celebrate what we already knew because America. And so after that, we headed to go see the Notre Dame. And this is such a beautiful, such a beautiful work of art, such a beautiful architectural building. And, you know, when I saw a couple years ago when parts of the Notre Dame caught on fire, it was heartbreaking to me because I'm like, I was there. I stood in those same in that same building I stood in those same you know areas and it just it just hurt my soul to to see that go down and those parts go down in flames because it's such a historical relic and um I I didn't take that many pictures because I truly had a lot of respect for this church, just as much as I had for this, for St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, you know, they, they, they had mass as, as we were going in, and I just wanted to sit and listen, um, to them sing in front, in French, the words, just, I just wanted to sit and, and listen to them sing in French, and it was, I don't know it's just an out-of-body experience in a way because of where I was sitting and you know what I was doing I didn't take any moment for granted and I think that was what really helped me grow in my travels was just sitting still for a couple of minutes sitting in bewilderment and just taking it all in taking little mind snapshots in my mind of what I was seeing and what I was experiencing, what the smell was like, what the environment was like, and what I was, what I was hearing, not only what I was seeing, but yeah, what I was hearing. And this was one of those moments when I got to just sit and take it all in. And there's nothing better than that, I think, in my mind. And I think as I, 
as I continue my travels, as I travel, each time I take that time to to just be grateful and sit and enjoy the moments because one thing you can't get back is is time and creating those memories form creating those memories are just timeless for me and unexplainable I think very unexplainable so that's just a little tidbit um Oh, yes. And we, you know, at 10, you know, once it got dark, we we headed out so we could see the Eiffel Tower light up with a spotlight on the top to basically announce it was the most (laughs) and to basically announce it. um, It was the most awesome thing to see at night lit up. It was beautiful. Sadly, the Louvre Museum triangles light triangle lights did not light up. Um, The next day we made it to the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe. So that was really exciting to see this arc. Um, and funny thing is, there's these arcs are pretty much all over uh, the country and they're all designed in their own way. I wanna, you know, I've seen another arc similar to this in Spain and I'll talk about that a little bit more later on, but it's really interesting to see that you know, everybody kind of had their own arc and they interpreted in their own way. And this arc is usually the center of the city and there's a circular, um, a circular road that, that runs around it. So that's always, that was cool to see. Next stop was the Eiffel Tower and the Eiffel Tower was (laughs) the most amazing thing I could have ever seen. Um, and bigger, way bigger than I could have ever imagined. This beautiful work of art designed, bu- designed by Gustave Eiffel was just magnificent. Just magnificent. Uh, Gustave Eiffel created the Eiffel Tower for the World's Fair back in 1889. It was built as one of the main attractions for the Paris' World Fair in that same year. In that year, the World's Fair covered the entire Champ de Mars in Paris, and its focus was on the constructions in iron and steel that were the great industrial advancement of that time. So, of course, as you know, the Eiffel Tower is made up of uh, metal and steel, and it's it's larger than life. Um, I think they got height, um, 984 feet tall, um, or 1,063 feet to the tip, to the top of it, which is crazy. Um, it took around two years to construct it, which definitely didn't, definitely thought it would take longer. Uh, it has three floors and my friend Amy and I decided to walk up to the second floor of the Eiffel Tower on that day because we didn't want to pay for a tram to take us to the top. And, you know, we just decided to take that walk all the way to the second floor. And my oh my, it was a beautiful sight to see on that second floor of the Eiffel Tower. And it was just breathtaking. You couldn't even see, you could see everything from up there. And 
it was it was really cool it was really surreal i think the next time i go back to paris i will definitely try and make it to the top and this time i will take a tram <laughs> um instead of walking because it were a lot of steps it was definitely a lot of steps especially after a longer morning of already traveling or already walking around the city it was it was a lot to take in so I'm glad we only decided to make it to the second level but it was it was crazy um and I know I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to see in Paris because we had such a short time there but I do hope when I get back I'll be able to visit a lot more places in Paris and the outskirts of Paris because you know I did think I took it for granted and it was I didn't really truly enjoy everything that Paris had to offer. I know when people ask me like, you know, what did you think about Paris? I say I didn't like it. Um, but I know it was because of the timing that I went and by that time I was already sick and tired of traveling. I was ready to go home and it felt like I I needed a break from traveling and so I really want to be able to go back and experience Paris in a new light and a new eyesight because I think it's it's a really pretty city and I think there's a lot f lot more for me to explore there that I really hope I can explore and yeah I would also love to hear from you guys you know, have you ever gone to Paris? What did you do in Paris? What did you see while you were there? And what did you experience? And what did you see? Um, like I said, this was my last leg of, of my study abroad. So to wrap all this up, you know, I spent a couple of months in Europe traveling from country to country and seeing different and amazing, amazing sites and art and structures and history and culture. And, you know, this really hit me in my travel bug a lot more because of this trip. This was my first international trip once again by myself. And this sparked the travel bug in me Im immediately more so than you know going on cruise ships because I got to experience all the different ways of traveling I got to experience all of these different cultures rather than hopping on uh, a cruise from one country to the next I I was walking the streets I was traveling by train I was traveling by bus I was traveling by taxi so this really sparked that joy that sparked that that flame underneath me to want to travel more and want to truly experience different cultures and and understand and create those long lasting memories because once again we all we all have the same 24 hours in a day and you you there's one thing you never get back and that's time and I want to be able to say I I visited that country or I experienced that culture or I saw that landmark and you know that's something that I will always cherish and I never take for granted and so the next 
the next time I travel or the next story I tell you all is is a little bit down the road, surprisingly. Um, it took me a little bit longer to travel this next for this next segment, but you know, it was not for lack there of trying. I definitely wanted to travel and experience different countries, uh, but you know, life hits you. So, um, but I was forever grateful for this experience and forever grateful for this trip because it opened my eyes to want to learn more and to want to experience more. And I think I become someone, I become so much more free and light and there's no burdens uh, when you travel because you, there's no limitations when you travel in my mind. And this definitely proved that while, while I was there. So, au revoir, ciao, shohoim, subohim, auf Wiedersehen, auf Wiedersehen, bye. It's been a really fun experience traveling through Europe. It was a really fun experience and one that's for the books. And I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you loved it just as much as me because, I, <laughs> yeah, I hope you loved it just as much as me. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This podcast has been edited by Rika herself. Thank you, and I will see you every other Thursday on Catch Flights, Not Feelings. At this time, I'm going to ask you to fasten your seatbelts. Hey, hey, welcome back to the segment Delayed Flights. So today I want to talk to you about airport dress code. Every time I go to the airport, I or prior to the airport, I'm frantically wondering what I should wear as far as comfortability goes. And I always settle on, you know, leggings and a loose t-shirt for some reason and then a cardigan. I've never Oh, I'm not going to say never because I have. Uh, I do. I have worn jeans before. I haven't dressed up before to the nine. I've never worn, you know, high heels and a dress <laughs> to the airport because I'm strictly about comfortability. And I understand when I dress very comfortable, uh, I'm not dressing to impress. And I'm not dressing to be maybe seen in the lounges, but hey, I, I strut myself in there like I know what I'm doing because I deserve to be there just as much as anybody else. So when I do head to the airport, it really depends on how long the flight is going to be or how long my travel day is going to be. So if I know I'm going to be traveling for a good 12 to 16 hours, I really, really emphasize wearing leggings with um, pockets and or loose pants that have pockets, uh, light t-shirt, either, you know, white, gray, black, 
and a cardigan so that you can pull that over you because airplanes without a doubt are always cold and so I would wear a cardigan and or take a sweatshirt with you or some sort of heavy sweater to wear that on the airplane and then if you have um if you have you know a pillow or a blanket by all means bring that as well depending on how long your trip's going to be if it's a two hour three hour flight i I can opt to wear jeans because I know that most likely when, as soon as I get off the plane, I'm going to go somewhere or do something. So that is comfortable for me as well, wearing jeans. It's just I'd rather wear more comfortable, relaxed clothing, like my day-to-day clothing, (laughs) um, which is leggings and a t-shirt. I would like to emphasize, though, that I have seen a lot of interesting dress attire coming into the airport and I know this is a big discussion recently around wearing bonnets and slippers house slippers to the airport Uh, as a person of color or a black woman uh, I did see that a lot when I was traveling in Chicago and I've also seen you know first class people wearing the most random items I've ever seen it's like they just woke out woke up out of bed and decided this is what I'm gonna wear I don't care what I look like I've seen a fur coat over um, just a regular t-shirt workout gear and then socks with see-through clear high heels so I have seen the whole spectrum I've seen um, a heavier set person wearing a tube top and really tight shorts and just only having a blanket on. I've seen the bonnets, I've seen the slippers, and, you know, coming to this debate, I don't know. I feel like you gotta wear whatever you wanna wear. Uh, when you're traveling long distances, I could totally understand the re- the reasoning behind wearing a bonnet, but I would prefer wearing a bonnet when I'm seated, not through the airport. Uh, If I am ever in that type of pickle, I think I would still have a sweatshirt on so I could put that hoodie over my bonnet Um, because I just don't. Me personally, that is not how I want to be presented and viewed. Um, But, you know, other people, it may just be like, hey, I need to stay fresh. I'm literally just waking up. I'm heading to the airport. I'm going to sit down on a plane and then my hair will be ready by the time I get off the plane um, or by the time I deplane or I need to get to where I need to go. So I totally understand where that bonnet situation is coming from. And, you know, I, I understand where, uh, I hope you understand where I'm coming from as well. It's just, you know, uh, black women's hair is, we definitely wear a bonnet. We sleep on a silk pillow. If we, you know, it's healthier for our hair, it's healthier for our skin as well. And so, you know, if you see a, if I'm not wearing a bonnet, something's wrong. (laughs) Um, or if I'm not wearing a headscarf, something's wrong, wrong when I'm going to bed per se. But in public, that's just not my person. That's just not who I am. But do you is what I say. Do you. (laughs) Whatever works for you.
but I would love to hear from you all on how you'd like to travel and what you like to wear when you travel by emailing me at catchflightspod at gmail.com or hitting me up on Instagram at travelwithrika.